Um, this shirt right here, we have made, uh, we are selling these in the lobby. Um, if you would like to purchase one of these, it's going to be $20. Every, every shirt that you buy, the proceeds from that go directly into the student ministry to help us support and send kids to camp and to mission trip and to discipleship now weekends. Um, so anything that you buy, if we run out of a certain size or anything like that, you can order it and we will uh, we'll get some more of those in. So we will appreciate that. Thank you guys so much. Um, that being said, I'm sorry you got stuck with me this morning. Chris is out of here. <laughs> so it's going to be me and you guys. So we're in for it. We're in for a treat. Sorry, I apologize now. Um, but before we get started, I want to go ahead and ask you guys to bow your heads in prayer. And I want you to pray right now. Pray for yourself that God will speak to you this morning from what he has to say to you from his word today. Next, I want to ask that you pray for others in the room. Um, you don't know what other people in here are going through or where they're at in their life or walk with Christ. Pray that God would speak to other individuals in this room this morning for what he has to say in his word. The last day I said you guys would pray for me. Nothing that I have to say to you is of any importance, but everything that God has to say to us this morning is of utmost importance for our lives. But that God will speak to me this morning. Father, we thank you today. God, we thank that we can come. God, that we can worship you freely. Father, I thank you so much for uh, the students, uh, God, just the ministry um, that we get to do. God, it's such a blessing to see our students serving this morning. Thank you for that. Father, I pray this morning that as we talk about what it means to, to train for godliness, God, I pray that you would, um, God, that you would move in this place, that we would not leave this place today the same that we walked in. God, that you would mold us and change us and shape us to look a little bit more like you. Father, we want, to, we want to grow up to be mature in our faith. And so this morning as we look at that, God, would you speak? God, would you open our hearts? Would you open our minds? Would you open our souls to hear the truth of your word this morning so that it may impact our lives, that we might not just hear something, but that we might put into action what you're going to say to us this morning in this place. Father, it's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so this morning we are going to talk about what it means to train for godliness. When we talk about training for godliness. And so when I was thinking of this word training, and I was thinking about talking about it, I was like, this is life. This is from the beginning. This this word shows up and it's a part of who we are and what we do, right? So like like you crawl and then you walk. But but specifically when I heard the word training, the first thing that comes to my mind in terms of life is potty training, right? It's like one of the first things we do, the first thing that happens. Some of you parents, you're there right now. You're training your kid. You're like, this is interesting. This is crazy. And for me, I miss the good old days before potty training. It was okay to go wherever I wanted. Mom opens up the diaper. I can go wherever I want. I got excuses. You haven't taught me yet. You haven't trained me, right? Okay? Those were the good old days. Welcome to fire building. We start with potty humor here. Um, and so even then, though, right, okay, so I've, I've talked to some parents and stuff about this, and there's some funny stories about you guys training your kids, and I'm not going to sit here and share all of them, but they got these things now you can put in the toilet, right, like targets on it, 
for the little boys to, to learn about aim. I'm like, just throw a Robert Effie in there and you're good or whatever. Um, and, and, and so there's that, right? And then we transition into going to school, right? And there's this training. We're going to be trained up in, in, in reading and writing. And, and, and some of us, you know, that's been more effective than for others, you know? But we go to school, right? And we're, we're learning and we're growing and we're being trained. And then you get to this point in your life where you're, you're 16 years old and you're like, I really want to drive a car. And, and the government says, well, we don't just let anybody do that. You got to be trained. Yeah, they gave Steve a license. It's crazy. I can't believe it. Um, and so you've got to go, right? You've got to go and you've got to sit through these lectures and you've got to watch these weird videos. And they, you know, you've got to learn, all right, I've got to look both ways. Okay, I forgot to buckle up. You know, I need to do that. Oh, okay, I, run. I didn't count three at the stop sign, okay? Who does that? Um, but you get trained, right? And then you actually have to get in the vehicle and do that. You have to, you have to prove that you actually, you, you're growing in that and you're learning. And, and then you've got to be able to parallel park a vehicle, right? And some of you guys, I don't know how you passed that portion of your You see, there's like nine parallel spots open, back to back to back, and you're like, I'm not even going to try that because parallel parking is way too hard. We're going somewhere else to park, right? But you have to train so that you might receive a license so that you can legally drive, right? Then this transitions into the next stage of life, like for a job, you get a job, right? Maybe it's a desk job, maybe you're working somewhere, and they want to train you, they want to show you and teach you how to learn how to do your job and how to train you to do your job well. And this also moves over into the, the idea of our hobbies, right? I was just thinking how training produces beauty. Produces beauty. Like what the, the students did up here and what Stephen did this morning in leading worship, Okay? They have spent time in training and learning their instruments so that they might play it beautifully for our ears to hear. And they might come together, and in their training, they play beauty. Stephen didn't just go to bed one night and wake up, and he's like, okay, G, C, D, Marcus, things go, oh, man, this is awesome, I'm rocking, right? It took time. It took training. He didn't just wake up one day, and he's like, oh, let's up, let's do this, going crazy. And that's never happened. And this is how it is for, for all areas of life, right? Maybe for you it's art. Maybe for you it's playing an instrument. Maybe it's athleticism. But whatever it is, that's, there's something in your life that out of the training, there's something beautiful that has been created. This is what we've seen in, in Chris's life, right? Some of you have been on this journey for a while. You saw him the first time he got up here and preached. And where he's at today because of the time that he spent in training and what he spends in office and investing in the Word of God and the multiple Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, he's gotten up here and taught. He is training himself to be a great communicator of God's Word. And so he gets up here and he gives a message, and it's beautiful because he spent time training. This is what Leah Newman does with our children, right, in our children's ministry, that she has spent time investing in knowing how to best teach children and train them up in the gospel of truth. This is what Mike Corbett does. He does, he does carpentry, right? It wasn't like he was like, okay, saw a wood, table, right? It didn't just happen one day. This is years of experience in training that he has put into this and out of it, he's able to create something beautiful like the backdrop you see here this morning. And so out of the time invested in the training, something beautiful comes. And what I'm here to encourage you and challenge you in this morning is that you would train for godliness so that you might have a beautiful relationship with your Savior. Because when we train for something, when we put time and effort into something, something beautiful happens. And so we're going to be in 1 Timothy, <clears throat> 1 Timothy 
four this morning. So if you will turn in your Bibles. It's a good starting point for training, having a Bible if you're a follower of Christ, if you are a believer. So most of what I'm going to preach this morning is going to be directed to those of you who are followers of Christ already. You said, I've given my life to Christ. He has saved me. I'm a child of God. And so now there's some teaching for us. Let me give us some background on this. And so, so Timothy, uh, 1 Timothy, rather, is, this is a pastoral epistle. What that means, this is a fancy word for letter. Okay, that's all it is. Okay? So Paul is writing a letter to Timothy. Timothy is a, a young protege of Paul. He's going to take over one of the largest churches in the known world in Ephesus. Okay? And he's believed to be at this time around 30 years old. Some, some scholars say he's 35. Some say he's 25. But he's somewhere in that. I went with the, the safe answer of 30. Uh, and so he's around that age. And so he's a young dude taking the pulpit, leading the people of God. And Paul is saying, let me give you some experience and encouragement from my training in my life. And so let me write a letter to you to encourage you in that and to build you up and to teach you what it means to be a spiritual leader. So 1 Timothy 4, verse 6. It says, if you point Timothy... If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus. He says, Timothy, point these things out and you'll be a good minister of Christ Jesus. What are these things? Is the, is the immediate question that should come to your mind. What are these things? And what we're going to look at this, this morning is those things. But before we do, we're going to take a, a step back to verse 1 to see what Paul says. Because we're kind of jumping into 1 Timothy, kind of half of 1 Timothy 4, kind of halfway into it. And so if we jump back to verse 1, it says this in verse 1. It says, the Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith. Okay? I think we can all agree with that, right? There's, there's people that have grown up in church, there's people that have grown up in God, there's people who have heard the truth, and, and, and they abandon the faith. I mean, this is so relevant to me as a student pastor. This is what we talk about all the time. How do we have our students, how do we train them up, or how do we lead them, or how do we disciple them so that when they leave from here and go off to college, that they are following Jesus and continuing that. But the reality is, is that some of them will abandon the faith, and some people will abandon the faith. He's saying here, the clearest... The Spirit clearly states that. And it's crazy, man. We're, we're at youth camp singing praises God the summer before their senior year, and then the, the next weekend they're in college having keggers and doing these crazy things. And it's, just, it's, it's not a surprise. There's some are going to clearly, it says, abandon the faith. And, and, and he says, why? He says, some will abandon the faith and follow what? Follow deceiving spirits, things taught by demons. Such teachings come from hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. And so we know this isn't just teenagers. This is, this is people in general, people who have heard the truth of God, know the truth of God, been raised in of it, raised up in it, and they come to a point where they believe the faith. And he says, this is not what's going to define you as a pastor. Let me tell you the things, the things you need to focus on as a pastor of God. And what we're going to come to, what we're going to see is that these things he's talking about, he's saying, Timothy, your job as a leader of these people is you are to point them to truth. Leave that outcome up to me. I am God. Some people may fall away, but you need to teach the people truth. You do not, so you, you do not change the truth. You do not just teach truth because you're scared of people leaving. You teach the truth regardless of how they're going to respond. You have to teach the truth of the word of God is what he's saying to Timothy. And stand firm in that. Amen? Amen. 
And so we continue in verse 6. What are these things? Like I asked, I posed the question. If you point out these things to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus. Nourished on the truths of the faith and the good teaching that you have followed. So you are to be nourished on the truth of faith and good teaching. And so my first point for us this morning is this. If you want to train yourself for godliness, if you want to train godliness, it's, it's that you must feed yourself truth. You must feed yourself truth. This poses another question for us because you have to ask yourself, okay, if I must feed myself truth, where does truth come from? Where does my truth come from? Who speaks truth into my life? What is the truth that I believe? If I'm going to feed myself truth, I have to know what is truth, right? And so what is truth for you? Who defines your truth? Is it, is it your boss? Is it your spouse? Is it some scientist in a lab somewhere that has multiple PhDs? Is it some professor at Harvard or Yale? Is it you? Do you define your truth? Because society and culture is going to tell you on this journey of life, well, what defines your truth is whatever makes you happy or, or whatever you feel like doing must be true. Or, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to follow my heart. And wherever that leads, it's going to lead me to truth. And that's, that's not truth. That's a lie. What does Scripture say about your heart? Scripture says this. It says in Jeremiah 17, it says, Your heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I'll tell you who can understand it. God, the creator of it. And so you do not follow your heart. You follow the one who has created your heart. And out of that, you inform your heart with the truth of God's word. Because this is what it looks like. When we leave defining truth up to us, we can't even figure out what gender we are, people. <laughs> Amen? You, we can't. When you put defining truth on us, the human race, all right, well, we'll go ahead and define truth and figure it out. We end up, we can't even figure out when God has clearly said in Scripture, you were either male or female, right? He's created us in the image of God, and God answered the question long ago when we're trying to find truth that's already been established. What are we doing? Right? And so you cannot follow your heart. You must follow the one who has created it. And if you spend your life navigating through any other lens than the truth of God's word, you're going to miss it. You're not on some happiness journey or some heart journey. You're on a truth journey in this life. You want to live for truth. You want to know truth. You want to live for what matters, right? And so, class, what is it that we feed ourselves? What do we feed ourselves? Truth. Truth. Verse 6, right? He said that. I just read that. Nourish yourself on, feed yourself, eat truth of the faith, the truths of the faith, and good teaching. This is the diet of your faith. This is what we are to consume. And so what we eat matters, right? I think we know this. Like, like uh, how many people in here like candy? Or you're going to do like candy? Okay? I mean, you guys, Kit Kat, you Kit Kat guys, Snickers? Flicks? That's my dad, Flicks. Any of you guys like, I forget that. I'm a hard candy kind of guy. Give me a Jolly Rancher any day with that chocolate stuff. Anybody? We got like two Jolly Rancher people. It's awesome. <laughs> um, but, but here's the thing. We all know this to be true, right? If you are to eat candy every single day, three meals a day, every single day on the week, and that's your meal, like that's your, that's your consumption of intake of food to, 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 to nourish your body, right? We can all agree that if that's all you ate, you, you're not going to be nourishing your body, right? 
Nobody's surprised. They're like, oh, Twinkies are bad for us? What? When did that become? I thought they were good. No, you're like eating like this like plastic cardboard. Stuff. Like it's not good for you, right? And no one's surprised by that. They're not like, oh, Twinkies. When did they become bad for us? Right? Okay. No, no, no. We know that. Okay. Let me go on further with you. Okay. So, 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 so smoking. This is crazy, guys. This used to be like a normal thing in the 1980s, in the 90s, like into the 90s, like. It was marketed and advertised. I went and looked up this stuff on, on the internet the other day. Like, it was marketed that, like, oh, smoking is good for you. You know, it's a weight loss plan. It's, it's this and everything like that. It was, like, unbelievable. Like, real companies were marketing that to people, and people were believing it, right? And, and, and this is the craziest thing to me. Like, somebody was like, oh, yeah, well, let's go ahead and we can do that in an aeroplane. Like, somebody's like, oh, yeah, I got a good idea. Let's go uh, 20,000 feet in the air. Let's hit this little contained box. Let's light something on fire while we got 5,000 gallons of jet fuel underneath us. That's a good idea. When was that a good idea? Never. That was never going to But in the 80s, like, it was 1988 when they first established the law. Like, if your flight's under two hours, sorry, you guys are bad at you. You, you can't smoke on a flight. And then they changed the, the law in the 90s because we're like, this is ridiculous. And everyone now pretty much agrees, like, oh, yeah, that's like, that's like bad for you. Like they put a label on the box that tells you, uh, this is killing you. Like there's a, a, a general surgeon's warning that tells you this causes this, right? And even if you talk to a smoker, like, yeah, yeah, it's killing me. I'm probably going to die from this. Like I'm talking to guys, you just like admit it. They're like, yeah, yeah, this is a good thing, right? And so, and so the reason, and I'm not dogging on candy lovers, I'm not dogging on smokers, that's, that's not what I'm doing. What I'm getting you to see is that regardless of what you believe about candy, regardless of what you believe about smoking, it does not matter. It is a fact. It is proven. We have found out that neither of those things are beneficial or nutritious to your body. I don't care what you say or what you try to tell me. I know the truth, and the truth is that those things will not nourish your body. All I eat is candy and smoke. I'm not going in a good direction in life health-wise, okay? We can all agree on that, okay? And what I'm saying here this morning is what I'm, what I'm telling you is that we, we have to know that for our lives spiritually. That if all we consume is junk, no wonder our relationship with God is unhealthy. How are we missing it? We're up there 20,000 feet. We're missing it. And so we have to know that, that we cannot just sit around consuming junk because what we eat matters. What we eat matters. The truth will not change. And so, and so here's the thing. Some of us, the junk that we consume is this. It's what we watch on TV. It's what we listen to. It's what the world has to say. It's what celebrities have to say. It's what our heart has to say. It's what CNN has to say. It's what the media has to say. It's what an article that somebody posted on their Facebook wall has to say. And well, it must be true because it's the internet and everything's true on the internet. And if all we consume is this, then we're not going to have a healthy relationship. If that's what informs our truth, we're going to miss truth. And so you cannot grow in the faith if you are not feeding yourself truth and good teaching. That's what he says right here in this passage. And so I hope this is why you come on Sunday morning. That you might be fed the word of God. That you might taste 
and see that the Lord is good. But for some of you, you have to understand it's not just Sunday morning. Like you need to pick up a fork and a knife and cut into the word yourself and eat and taste and see that the word is good. Amen. It's time for you to eat for yourself. Because one meal a week is not cutting it. And so some of us, we're at this point where, where we become malnourished spiritually. And some of us were unhealthy because of what we are consuming, false teaching, right? And some of us were unhealthy because of the lack of consuming what is good for us. And so let's go back to the text. And in, in verse 7, he's going to continue this idea of what not to do, what's not healthy for us. He says, he says, have nothing to do with godless myths and old, old wives' tales. God, I'm sorry to say for some Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Why though? Why? Because if you spend time on these things, these, these are the things that don't define your truth correctly, right? Here's a couple more just to continue. Here's a couple more things that society or, or, or you might see as truth that will make you happy. Okay, maybe more money will make us happy. Maybe a new job will make you happy. Maybe a new relationship will make you happy. Sex will make you happy. The world says marriage will make you happy. Kids will make you happy. This might not really mean people. Come on. The world says, and you hear things like this, all roads lead to God, or if it feels good, do it. Um, God helps those who help themselves. And so these are all lies that some of us believe, and we end up basing our worldview and our theology and our truth on these statements. Don't tell me you haven't lived for some of these things. I'm standing up here confessing to you, I have lived for some of these things. And sometimes I wrestle with being like, God, is it really, you know, like... Marriage sounds really good. Like, that, that seems like it's going to be pretty good. Like, uh, have a lot of money. That seems like, are you sure that's not true? And it's not. Why? Because history, it, it repeats itself over and over and over. Some of the most wealthy people are some of the most miserable people in the entire world. Some of the most beautiful people on the planet have the most unhealthy and the most unsatisfying relationships. How? It's the most beautiful people. How are they? What? Because it cannot, this is not something you can build your foundation of truth on. It will not stand. It will not stand. It will crumble. And you will fall with it if that's what you build your foundation on as truth. For some of you, maybe it's this, God, I'm following you, but I must be doing something wrong because I have hardship or struggle or suffering in my life. Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be easier to just give in to what everyone else is doing? Maybe that's a lie you believe. Why is, why is that a lie? No, it, it, it's a lie because you don't let popular opinion define your truth. And here's something for you to take home this morning. It's this. It's that you don't judge your obedience by the outcome or the circumstance. You judge your obedience by the word of God, by truth. If the government says, you, you, you can't read the Bible, you can't preach Christ, uh, this whole thing, you, I mean, you, you even own one of the certain people to talk about this, we're going to kill you. That does not define how you live your life. Because at the end of your life, they may kill you, but who are you going to stand before after that? You stand before God. And so what matters is that regardless of the outcome, regardless of the circumstance, regardless of who's in power and says what, your truth does not change and your obedience does not change based on that. You stand firm on obedience to the word of God in truth. Because his word never changes. 
It's consistent. Whereas the world is always going to try and throw something new at you. That's why iPhone 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 7 plus, 7 plus S, 8, 10. It's never going to end. They're always going to throw something new at you that will satisfy you. This has been the same. And it's the truth. You can build your life on. It's the foundation you can build your life on. Regardless of your circumstance, and your circumstance may change in this life, God's truth makes sense. Let me, let me say it again, because it's not your circumstance may change, your circumstance will change. A lot of people in this room have gone through some tough times, lost a loved one, lost a loved one, and there's things we've gone through, and what you do not do is, it, 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 is the, the truth, it, it stays the same regardless of those circumstances. The truth will always remain the same. Truth is truth. And so in verse 7, he says, what's in opposition to this? Instead of believing the lies, instead of believing the old wives' tales and the, the godless myths, he says, do what? He says, rather, train yourself to be godly. What is our response as believers? Instead of believing all this junk, we spend time training ourselves to be godly. And so my second point for us this morning is this is that after you feed yourself in truth, you need to train yourself in truth. Train yourself in truth. See, train is this word in the Greek. It's the, it's the word gymnazo. Okay? This is the word where we get gym or gymnasium. Right? Gymnazo. This means to exercise vigorously in any way, either the body or the mind. Okay? What does this mean, people? This means it requires work. It requires discipline. It's not just going to come to you naturally. Right? And, and we hear that, but it's almost like we don't believe it. So, so, so here's the illustration. We're going to do a lot of training illustrations from here on out. So bear with me. They're all going to apply to your life. They're going to be great. Um, you, can't, you can't walk into a gym. You can't walk into a gym. And just because you went there and you put on a cute outfit, you got the new sneaks, you're looking good, walking around, you're looking fly. Just because you go to the gym, just because you enter the gym, does that, that does not mean that your body is going to be changed or shaped or molded into the direction you would like it to go of physical fitness, right? Because you stepped into the gym, it doesn't mean, well, I'm just going to sit here and watch these other dudes work out. That's kind of weird. Um, it's just the sweat in the room, the testosterone, it's just, just seeping to me, and I'm just going to get ripped just from being here in the presence of these other guys. Okay? Uh, that's, that's never worked for anybody, right? You don't just, going to the gym doesn't mean you're going to, like, get ripped. It doesn't mean that. Just because you showed up doesn't mean anything happened. You actually have to step into training while you're there for anything to take place, Right? And it's the same thing spiritually. Some of us believe, and if I just show up here on Sunday, I just come, and I'm just here, and I'm just part, and I see other people worshiping, and there's the word of God going on. You think that by coming, you, 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 you're, you're training yourself, but guess what? It's not just going to come into your mind. Nobody's like, well, you know, I just showed up at church from then. I just got like the New Testament memorized, and I'm just a spiritual child in you have to go and you have to train yourself as well. You have to step into the training. There's a role that you play in. Do, 
do not misunderstand me because what's happening here in this place, yes, you are being fed truth, right? Okay? And coming, that, that's, a, that's a great way to do that. But if that's all you ever do, you're not going to see any difference in your, uh, in your spiritual health. Just as if I just show up at the gym and I just sit there and watch people worship and I'm just like, okay, that was a good exercise. Uh, I'll take note of that. But I'm not going to apply it to my life. Well, I'm not having any training, right? It's the same thing spiritually. If you never train yourself to be godly, you will not see any results in your spiritual health. It's just not going to happen. And I think some of us will... We're like this, okay, so so what bodybuilding plan has ever worked where the dude's like, okay, instead of working out an hour, five days a week, I'm just going to work out for five hours straight, one day. I'm going to take that, I'm going to apply that, I'm going to work out for five hours straight, one day. And it's going to be the same result as working out for an hour every single day for five days. Nobody's on that bodybuilding plan, right? Nobody's like, that's a great idea in the industry, we'll go ahead and do that. Uh, here's what they're also not doing. Okay, well, I mean, I eat three meals a day, seven days a week. Okay, what is that? Something like that. 21. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and eat 21 meals one day out of the week and not eat the rest of the week. That's a great idea. Like you're going to throw up a couple times and you're going to have no nourishment for your body the rest of the week, right? That's a terrible plan. That's a terrible idea. That's not, nobody's like, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's get some bodybuilders on that. That's going to change the bodybuilding industry. This is just a new movement, right? No, it's not happening because it doesn't lead to nourishment of your body. And it's the same way spiritually. We can't just come and go, okay, well, I go to Sunday school, I go to church, and we worship a little bit. We worship in the car, on the way to church, we worship on the car, on the way back. Got my five hours in, I'm going to go for the week. That's never been a way to live in any way, shape, or form of nourishment to your body in terms of eating and working out. It's never been a way to train successfully. And I think for some of us, that is our training model. And you're wondering why you're starving spiritually. You haven't eaten in six days. Okay? And so for us, we have to see that that is not a good model for us. If we're going to train in godliness, we need to be invested in a relationship with God, in the Word of God, in prayer, in community, in, in challenging one another, in sharing our struggles, and admitting our failures to one another consistently and daily. When do you see results in a person's life, physically speaking? When they consistently train for months and months and months and months and months at a time, right? You see the results. You see the before and after picture, right? Because it's this daily investment in what they're doing to build themselves up and to train themselves up. And it works the same way spiritually. You don't just go to bed one night, wake up the next day, and you're like, oh my goodness. Like, I'm just the godliest person in the world. Just I was resting in the Lord. And I woke up the next day, and I'm just a spiritual giant. Like, and I just know truth. I just know the word of God. I just, everything's great, right? That's never going to happen. Which is why he says here, do what? He says, you must train. You must train yourself for godliness. James 1.22, it says this. I love this verse. It says, do not merely listen to the word of God and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. And other verses, don't only be hearers of the word, but doers also. We are to take and apply the truth of God to our life and to act on it. 
We to take the word of God. We don't just we don't just hear it and say, okay, that's some good stuff. No, we take it and we apply it and we put it into training. And I think some of us were sitting here and we're like, man, God, and I'm just tired of Christians saying this, man. I just wish God would speak to me. I just wish God would talk to me. I wish God would say something to me. And I'm like, okay, so how much time do you spend his word this week? Well, you know, I haven't really had time to spend his word, you know, whatever. He is written, he has spoken to you. He wants to speak to you daily. And he's saying, hey, guess what? Sorry for the convenience. I spoke to somebody else and wrote it down in words so you can have it. Sorry for making it convenient for you guys. Right? And we're sitting here complaining, God, God, why won't you speak to me? And God is yelling at some of us. And God says, I'm trying to talk to you. But you're not willing to listen. And so we have to know that God has spoken. God is speaking. God wants to say something to you every single day of your life. And I'm not saying you're necessarily going to hear an audible voice. I'm not going to say you're going to open the word of God and you're just going to have this great spiritual truth. But if you train yourself and if you discipline yourself and if you get in God's word and you spend time in prayer and you go into the innermost room in your house and go in your closet and you write down and make known your request to God and you spend time you will see implications of that in your life. Just as the guy who goes to the gym five days out of the week, you're going to see some changes in his life if he's actually going in training. They will be visible and evident. And you will see it in your life and you begin to have this training that leads to guidance. And it's going to be like the, the, the hobbies I listen for where you start to see something beautiful happening in your relationship with God. Does that mean it's always going to be easy? Does that mean you're not going to have any struggles? Does that mean it's going to be perfect? No, that's not what I'm saying here this morning. But I'm saying out of training, you will see results. When you train, you will see results. And I want to be very clear here this morning because what I'm not saying is that behavior modification is what leads to your salvation. I'm not saying it's works that gets you saved. That's not at all what I'm saying. But I am saying that scripture is very, very clear that if you want to grow in a relationship with God, that if, if you want to actually see some help in your spiritual relationship with him, then there's a role that you play in that. There's a part that you play in that. And he says, yeah, it doesn't determine your salvation, but it just might determine how close your walk is with God. Only a little closer. He's saying this morning. And God is saying, I'm ready here to pull you in. Will you step into my world? Will you see what I have to say? Will you open up to what I have to speak into your life? Will you discipline yourself to dig in even when you don't want to do it? Will you discipline yourself? Will you train yourself to be godly? And so we step in to verse 18. It says, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. And so he's saying, okay, sure, that, that's cool, man. You do CrossFit, whatever. You got that You got that membership to your gym. That's awesome. That's great stuff. But when we get up to heaven, that's not going to matter. What's going to matter? Godliness is going to matter for today and tomorrow and for the life to come. You're not going to be walking up there and go, hey, Paul, guess what, dude? I was in the gym. Check out my mindset. You're not going to be up there flaunting that. And, and I like this passage because it does say, it says, physical training is of some value. I'm not necessarily wasting all of my time. There's some value to it, right? I'm like, thank you. Um, but he says, no, 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 no. But that's cool. That has some value. But if you spend more time doing that, you're missing it because godliness has value for you right now, for tomorrow, and for the, the life to come. 
And so you spend your time, you spend more time in the Word of God, you spend more time training yourself in Godliness because I don't necessarily know how all of it works, but I know because this is truth, and we're talking about truth this morning, and this is the Word of God. I know that your Godliness is somehow, it's going to matter for now, and it's going to matter for eternity. It's going to matter for forever. It's like the dude that worked out down here, that's all he spent his time doing, is going to be up there and be like the scrawny little guy. And the dude that was like in the Word of God and sharing his faith and everything, you're going to get down there and be like, that was like, he's like 85 pounds on earth and he's like ripped in heaven. That's not biblical at all. That's just an illustration. <laughs> I don't know what it's going to be like, but I know that your godliness will matter for eternity. It will. Because Scripture just said that it does. It holds promise for both the present life and the life to come. And see, here's the thing about, about training. When you're training, you're working on the moment that you stop training, the moment that you stop working out, like a bodybuilder is working out, he's eating right, he's nursing himself, the moment that he stops that is like, okay, I'm going back to the Twinkies and I'm sitting on the couch and watching TV. Does his body stay in the same place? No. It's like driving a car. You drive the car, you step on the gas. The moment you let, let off the pedal, what happens? You're slowing down immediately, right? You're slowing down immediately. And it is the same thing spiritually. If we are not stepping into training, if we're not feeding and nourishing ourselves, if we're not training regularly, we are letting off the gas pedal. We are, we are not becoming more godly. We're becoming less godly. Not saying you lose your salvation. I am saying that you are becoming less like God. And so we have to step into this. We have to train. We have to train. You spend more time in the gym than in the Word of God. You spend more time working on your biceps than in the Bible. And this might look something different for you. Maybe it's spending time watching the game. Maybe it's, maybe it's spending time. There's, there's all these other things we can spend doing. And, and, and I want you to know, this. I'm not just speaking to the guys this morning because I feel like sometimes you use gym knowledge and feel like just guys. Ladies, this is for you as well. If you spend more time going to the gym, if you spend more time looking for outfits, if you spend more time uh, in, in, in front of the mirror, right? Scripture is saying, no, 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 no. Some value, but godliness has value for all things. What is the true mirror in your life? You're looking at the wrong mirror. This is the mirror for you. You want to know what matters for a lifetime? This is the mirror you look into. And you look at scripture and say, is my life in line with these things? Because this is the stuff that's going to matter. Because I think for some of us, we try and spend more time looking good than the time we spend trying to look like God. We spend more time trying to look good than to look like God. And so if more of our life is spent on us and how we look, then on God and the Word of God and training in that, we've missed it, Paul is saying. You have to know that this has value for now and the life to come. Proverbs 31, at the end of it all, this entire book on wisdom, the, 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 like the last thing he leaves us with is this. This charm is deceptive and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. That's all of us, one more man in this room. Someone who fears the Lord. That's what we're going for. That's what we're striving for, right? Ladies, his charm is going to fade. Fellas, her, her beauty is going away. But a man or a woman who fears the Lord, who is training themselves for godliness, that only grows in its beauty. That only gets more beautiful as time goes on. That only gets, dare I say, that only gets sexier as time goes on. <laughs> yes. 
Like if I'm a man of God, that's what I want in a woman. If I'm a woman of God, that's what I want in a man. If I'm married right now in, in, in your relationships, that's what you need to be for one another. Because guess what? When I go to the gym and I have a partner there with me, I can put up more weight and more reps than I can when I go alone. Because I have someone encouraging me and helping me. And if I can't get it, I'm going to have someone there to help support me and, and, and do that, right? And so we walk through this life and encouraging and building one another and, and, and helping one another train ourselves in godliness. And so if you are a man or, or, or a woman, that's what you want to be. That's how you're going to help your relationships. That's how you're going to help your marriage. That's how you're going to lead your children. By encouraging them and challenging them and training them to be young men and women of God. And you say, that starts with me. He's saying, he's saying, Timothy, you are a pastor, you're a leader, and you of all men need to be someone who is training for godliness so that you can lead these people. You need to know the workout plan. You need to know the nutrition plan. And you need to start feeding that to your sheep. And you need to start encouraging them. You need to go to the weight room with them and help them lift. And we need to get in this thing. We need to start training, guys. We need to start training. Because we have a life to live. And it's difficult. And, and we don't come to a point in our life where we say, I'm going to define truth. I'm going to start defining my truth. Now when hardships come, or when death comes, or temptation comes. No, no, no. You define your truth before that comes. So when, they, when that comes, you can stand firm on that truth. And we do that together. We train together. You want to invest in something that matters. You invest in training yourself to be God. Verse 9 says this. It says, this is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Paul says, this is true. This is it right here. This is trustworthy, accepted, apply it to your life, live it out. Verse 10, this is why we labor and strive. Labor and strive are words that aren't like, it's hard, it's difficult. Nobody's like, oh yeah, labor, that sounds great. I'm striving, I just want that. That's difficult. It requires discipline. It requires work. This is why we labor and struggle. Why? Because we have put our hope in who? The living God. The one who gives the truth. He is alive and well. This is truth. And we're, we're laboring and we're striving and we're working hard. And guess what? It's painful. When you go to the gym and you work out, guess what happens the next day? You are sore, right? You, I do leg day and I'm just like, you know, like, because it hurts. That means growth is happening, right? And so for some of us, we think, okay, if there's pain or there's hardship or there's struggle, I must be doing something wrong or I don't want that or whatever. And you're missing it. That's what grows you. That's part of the training process. Don't shy away from it because it's tough. Don't shy away from it because it's hard. No pain, no gain. That's true. And so we step into that. We encourage one another in that. And so we put our hope in the living God. Why? Because he is the savior of all people. And especially those who believe in so my final quote this night, uh, this morning as we close is this trust in the truth. Trust in the truth. You can trust it, you can accept it. And, and, and let me just, and we're going to close, let me explain the second half of verse 10 right there. This is why we live in strife, because we have put our hope in the living God. What does that mean? It means salvation has been made, been made available to all. When he says this, who is the savior of all people, right? That means salvation is made available to all. God is the savior of all, but especially of those who believe. What that means is this. It means it's been given to those of us who have received it. This is the best way I can help you understand it. I know like checks are kind of outdated. But, but if I write you a check, it has value, right? It's available to you, 
but, but the money does not become able to be used or apply to your bank account until it has been received and deposited into your account, right? You have to, just because I write you a check doesn't mean you're ever going to see that money. If you never take that check and cash it, you will not see the results of it. And what he's saying here in this is he's saying God has written a check. It's available to all. Anybody can receive it. Salvation is for everybody. But it's only been applied to those who have cashed it. And so it's available to all, but it's applicable to, especially to those who have believed. And if that's you, then God is speaking to you this morning saying, you have cashed that check. You are, are, are my child. And it's time to train. It's train. It's train. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? God, I pray that we would be a body of believers who says we want to encourage one another, we want to build up one another, we want to hold one another accountable. God, I pray that we would spend our lives feeding on your truth, nourishing our bodies. The scripture talks about how just the word of God it gives this, it, it gives life to our very souls. The word of God makes us come alive. Father, I pray that we would feast on that today. God, I pray that we would also, that we would train, that we would work hard and say, you know what, it's going to be hard for me to set my alarm, get up 30 minutes early or whatever, and, and, uh, but I'm going to train. It's going to have some pain in it. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult, but I know that if I want a healthy relationship with you, I have to eat right and I have to work hard. And so I'm going to feast on your word and I'm going to train in what it means to be a follower of Christ. And God, I pray that we would trust in that, that we would know that it's good truth. And that when the world says other things are going to offer us happiness and joy, we will be able to say, that is a lie. God, you are the one who gives me my happiness and my joy. I can build a life with the foundation in you and the truth of the Lord. Maybe you're in here this morning saying, I've never trusted. That, that last verse you read where it says, God who is the Savior of all people, and especially those who believe, I've never cashed that check. Scripture says that today is the day of salvation. If you would desire to cash that, today you can cash in on that. God says, I have made salvation available to all of you. Will you receive it? And if that's you today, you say, God, I trust in your word. I trust that you died for me. I trust that you sent me some Jesus to pay for all of my sins. I accept that payment. And I believe in you. But Father, I pray for all of us in this room, God, that we would be men and women of God, training to be godly. It's in your name we pray. Amen.